All right, all right. Happy Super Bowl weekend, Lake Point Church. Come on, man. That's right. Now, listen, if you, if you don't know, I'm a little excited because I grew up right side of, outside of Cincinnati until I was seven or eight years old. I've been waiting 33 years to wear my team's Super Bowl or, uh, jersey on Super Bowl weekend. This is my time. That's right. I'm excited. Now, uh, I do just want to say this. This is, uh, you know, let's do a little, little football trivia real quick here. So I bought this. This jersey is from 1991. Okay, 1991, Bengals number seven quarterback. Who was it? I know. Oh, I heard that right over here, Boomer Esiason. That's right. You guys know your sevens. Okay, seems like you know your sevens. What's the seventh book in the Bible? Oh man, priorities, priorities. That's it. Okay. Uh, now, I do, now, I do just like let me just kind of have a little therapy real quick. Um, I am a little frustrated uh, because my Bengals have to play the Rams in their home stadium in LA. Not cool. And so, uh, but I know it's not cool, not cool, not cool. Um, I know our California transplants are real excited, so you're getting revenge on me right now. Uh, but uh, I, I have heard this. I've heard that in order to avoid the Super Bowl ever being in the same city as one of the teams playing, they're moving it to Dallas permanently. <laughs> Come on, man. That was good. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. I've been waiting 33 years to tell these jokes. Let's go. All right. If you got your Bible's head too, some of you are like, I'm out. I'll never like that guy again. That's it. Go to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians for the next quite a few weeks. I'm really excited about this. Uh, what we're doing in the next few weeks is we are starting a series today called Following Jesus in a Jacked Up Church. Following Jesus in a Jacked Up Church. Yeah, you'll see why. Uh, and what we're going to be doing is preaching sequentially through the book of 1 Corinthians. And I am really, really excited about it. Um, the title, I'm going to go ahead today, I'm going to do something I usually don't do. I'm going to tell you the title of the sermon before I preach it. Here's the title of the sermon. The title of the sermon is Church, Why Bother? Church, Why Bother? Okay, now, I just want to dive right in. Why, the reason we do this, we preach through books of the Bible sometimes at Lake Point, is because we believe it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. And so we just want to go right through books of the Bible so that we get everything that God has for us um, out of his word. And so we're starting today in 1 Corinthians. All right, if you've got your Bibles, pick up with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at the first couple verses of 1 Corinthians 1. It just says this. It says, Paul, that's the guy that wrote 1 Corinthians, called to be an apostle. That means messenger or sent one. So he got sent out by who? By Jesus Christ. By the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. That was a dude that was with him that held him, helped him write down what was going on. He had bad eyesight. Okay, now look at, look at verse 2. The, to the church of God in... So I want you to notice a couple words. To the church of God in Corinth. To those sanctified. That means that a holiness has been bestowed on them. Like God did something to them and declared them something that they were not by their own actions. He declared them to be holy. They didn't deserve, they didn't act their way into the holiness. So sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Now, let me explain what's going on here and why we're titling this series Following Jesus in a Jacked Up Church, okay? So really quick, everybody put on your kind of, kind of your, your biblical thinking caps for a second here. Let me be a teacher for a second. Um, there's a lot of context happening here. Now, what we have is this book was written to a little church in the city of Corinth. Now, we got, we got a map up here for you. I want you to see this. This is really important. So you'll see Corinth, green dot right in the middle. Corinth was right in the middle of a four-mile-wide isthmus. That's a land bridge that connected these two larger bodies of land. Okay, now, just keep your eyes up here. 
because of this, actually come back to me. So right in the middle of there. Now, because of this, Corinth was like, it was a travel hub, massive amounts of immigration. It was like the entry point to the Roman Empire. Massive amounts of immigration came into ancient Rome from Corinth. And because of that, because it was this travel point, a travel hub, and it was right on the ocean, it was like a vacation spot for ancient Rome. Lots of young people lived in Corinth. It was like upwardly mobile, bougie, up-and-comers. Everybody wanted, like Tesla was putting a headquarters in Corinth. It was that kind of spot, like the it spot of ancient Rome. And also, because it was this immigration point, in some ways, first century Corinth was like 21st century Dallas. It was a spot where like, it was young, it was super diverse, it was an up-and-coming place. But then also, watch this, because it was in the middle of this four-mile-wide isthmus, in the same way, like it was a travel point. So what sailors would do a lot of times is they would, in, in, order, to have, have it, uh, in order to avoid sailing all the way around, it would take like a month, all the way around that larger body of land, they would sail to Corinth, literally pick up their boat, and walk it across that four-mile-wide isthmus to get to the other side, saving weeks and weeks of travel. Now, I, I got a point to this, okay? Because of that, what happened at Corinth, in the same way that like a lot of times when people are traveling a lot on business, marital infidelity will happen, or people will, you know, kind of visit or frequent prostitutes, that, that sort of situation. In the same way, Corinth was known as like the capital of sexual sin in ancient Rome. Um, on top of this, right in the middle of Corinth, there was a massive, I wish I could show you a picture, a massive a hill called the Acropolis. And on this hill at the very top of it was a massive temple, the largest temple in Rome to the ancient pagan goddess Aphrodite, who was the goddess of love, sex, and beauty. In the middle of this temple, in the middle of Corinth, there were more than 1,000 cult prostitutes active day by day by day. Okay, now, so think about this. You got all that going on. You got everybody traveling. So there's like sexual sin that's happening, all this stuff. And because of this, like, Corinth developed, developed this reputation. When you think of Corinth, I want you to think, like, Las Vegas plus Amsterdam plus Burning Man. Like, that was Corinth. So much so, this is a true story, so much so that in ancient Rome, Corinth, like, developed this reputation so that in ancient Rome, around the time of the, of the writing of this book of the Bible, um, when if there was a girl around town that was, like, a little loose, like, they wouldn't say that she was loose or that, you know, your grandma would say she was a hussy. They wouldn't, you know, your, your, your grandchild would say she juicy, you know, whatever it is. That, they wouldn't say that. Here's what they said. <laughs> Let me ask your grandkids later. <clears throat> they wouldn't say that. Here's what they said in ancient Rome. They would say something like this. They'd say, oh, she's a Corinthian girl. That's what I would say. This reputation of marital infidelity, sort of sexual immorality, just kind of was rampant in Corinth. Now, what happened in this little church was this massive move of God. And what ended up happening was, despite the fact there was a great move of God, the world was getting into the church more than the church was getting out into the world. So the influence was happening the wrong way. So there were tons of issues in this little church. You're going to see in the next few weeks, you're going to be like, bro, this is insane. I almost titled this series, Christians Gone Wild. Okay, and some of you are like, 90s, okay? Here's what you got in, in, uh, in the, the church at Corinth. One, you got divisions. 
So like all in this church, it was like, man, I like it when he leads worship. No, no, I like it when she leads worship. I only like it when he preaches, not him. Some people were like, oh, I'm of Steve. I'm of Josh. I'm of Mike. Sound familiar? Okay, now there were other like, there were other people in the church like just acrimony. There were church members suing each other, like publicly suing each other in the Corinthian courts in front of unbelievers and ruining the witness of the church. There were all these questions. We're going to talk about this in this series. All these questions about gender, marriage, and sexuality. There were these questions about gender roles. Man, they were literally, they were asking these questions in the Corinthian church to Paul. They were going, hey, what's the difference between a man and a woman? Like, how do we, what, what does that mean? There was sexual sin and like insane sexual sin. You'll see this later in the book. There were actually people who were like visit, like married people in the church that were visiting prostitutes and then coming back and being like, what's the big deal? It's two consenting adults and like, man, we're not under the law, we're under, we're under grace. Like, it's right, okay? There was also, there was a dude in the church sleeping with his mother-in-law. Okay, exactly. But that's not how they responded. <laughs> you see, what they did is they went, even worse than, than the fact it was happening was the church's response. The church was cool with it. They were like, oh, no, no, look how tolerant, affirming, and inclusive we are. We're cool with this. So all this going on. But then on top of that, there was this incredible move of the Spirit. Like God poured out His Spirit in the Corinthian church in a way that He probably didn't any other church that's recorded in the New Testament. And there were two factions in the church. You'll see this later in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. There were some people who were like, bro, we're in. Like, give us everything. Give us miracles, signs, wonders. There were people standing up in the middle of services, speaking in tongues, whatever that means. We'll talk about that later. All this stuff going on. But then there were other people who were super skeptical. They were like, man, this is just weird. Bro, our church is getting weird. And they were like, man, y'all are doing weird stuff. It's just weird and chaos in our services. And these people were on the verge of what Paul says was like quenching a move of the Holy Spirit. And so all this stuff was going on in this church at the same time. To top it all off, there were people getting drunk on Lord's Supper wine. Now listen, we, we got, no, 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 that's not the right. That's not how we're going to, okay. Now, now listen, we got problems at Lake Point Church sometimes. We got problems. We don't have people getting drunk on Lord's Supper wine. Like when that happens, like, you, you got issues in the church. And so what we got here is all this stuff happened. And so people in this church, they started doing this. They were like jaded from the messed up stuff they started seeing in the church. And they started doing this. That Paul's writing to them when they were starting to feel like, man, like, I love Jesus, but I'm, I'm really not sure about the church. They were asking this question, church, why bother? Why bother? And can, we, can we be real honest? Some of you are asking that question right now in your life. Some of you, you've experienced, you've seen like bad leadership in churches that hurt people. Um, you, maybe you watch the news, you see story after story after story of pastoral infidelity and mishandling of funds or, you know, greedy and people buying G5s and all this stuff. You're like, man, I just don't know about that. Some of you have been hurt deeply in churches. You've seen sin run rampant in churches and you're asking the question, man, church, why bother? Now, I just want to like, can I just like answer that question really directly in this sermon? Let's just get into the word and answer the question, church, why bother? Okay, so I'm gonna go right at it. We're, we're gonna be bold, we're gonna go right at it. Here we go, number one, let me just get right at it here. Number one, you should expect to see some sin in the church because guys, churches are made up of sinners. Do we understand that? 
Churches are made up of sinners. Okay, now, let me, let me preach for a second. We are, all of us, the reason we're in the church is because we've been saved from the world. We've been set apart as holy, the people of God. And we are being progressively set free from sin by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But guys, listen to me. Christians at their base level are not good people. We are forgiven people. And so you will. That's who we, we're not good people. We are forgiven people every now and then. Uh, when I'm talking to somebody who's like, they're not a Christian or they're kicking their, the, the tires on the faith, they'll say something like this. Like, man, Josh, they'll find out I'm a pastor. And like, man, Josh, like, I, I, can't, I can't have anything to do with churches because churches are full of hypocrites. Churches are full of hypocrites. Now, what I always say when somebody says that is I always say, yep. And so are family reunions, Walmarts, golf courses, and McDonald's, but you're still going to all those. Now, you guys know what a McDonald's hypocrite is? As somebody who walks in and they're like, man, I want a supersized double quarter pounder with cheese, a large fry, and a Diet Coke because I'm watching my figure. That's it. That's a hypocrite. That's a hypocrite, okay? So watch this. So in one sense, yep, churches are full of hypocrites. But will you listen, like, in a much more logical and true sense, it's actually not true at all that churches are full of hypocrites because a hypocrite is somebody that doesn't live up to their own standard, and Christians aren't people who say that they've lived up to a standard. They're people who say that they've fallen short of the standard and that Jesus lived up to the standard for them. That's who Christians are, all right? So number one, churches are going to have sin in them because churches are made up of sinners. If somebody says, man, Josh, that church is jacked up, I'm going to say, man, good, good news for you. That was your only chance of fitting in. Okay? Now, but number two, number two, it's not just who we are that makes churches have some sin and imperfections in them, it's what we do. In fact, I just let me say it really straightforward right here. Let me just say it like this. If a church is winning at its mission, there's going to be sin in it because the church exists to reach sinners. Amen. Guys, you understand, the purpose of the church is to reach sinners. And listen, I know this is shocking. Sinners sin. It's insane. I know it's just totally mind-blowing. Sinner is sin. So when churches are succeeding, there's going to be sin. And in one sense, sin in the church, in one sense, sin in the church, people struggling with sin, is a sign of success, not failure. Look how Jesus said it. I just want, I, let me, I want to show you this is biblical. Look at what Jesus said. He said it like this. He said, Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. In other words, Jesus would say, hey, listen, I didn't come for people who think that they're good. I only came for people who know that they're bad. And churches, they're not for people who think that they're good. Churches are for people who know that they're bad. In fact, you probably heard this little statement before that a church isn't a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. And guys, remember, if there are no sick people in a hospital, that hospital stinks at being a hospital. And so you may walk around one of our campuses, or you may like be in the chat in church online, and you may see people use some words that you don't think they should use. You may, starting, you may be starting to see people in our services are like wearing some things you don't think they should wear. You may hear about people that are part of our church that do things that they shouldn't do. But guys, listen, Lake Point, can we celebrate? We're reaching sinners. That's what matters. We're reaching sinners. Okay? Now, when we clap for that, and we should, we're not celebrating sin. We're celebrating reaching sinners. That's what we're celebrating. Okay? Uh, there's a, a pastor here of mine, a guy named Tim Keller. 
And he talks about the fact that churches, you never get to choose whether a church is going to have problems or not. You have to, every church gets to choose which type of problems do they want. Do you want living, he calls them living problems or dying problems, okay? Now here, here's what a dying problem is. Dying problems are when churches stop fighting against hell by reaching people for Christ and snatching them from its flames. When churches stop fighting hell, what they do is they start fighting each other. And so these churches, what they do is they start arguing over the color of the carpet or the volume of the music or the tightness of the preacher's jeans or, you know, all this. They start fighting about all this stuff, okay? Those are dying problems. Those are dying problems. But guys, watch this. What we want is we want living problems. Living churches reach lost people and lost people do lost people things. And when lost people do lost people things, it brings problems into the church. That's not an absence of discipleship. That's the presence of evangelism. God, let, me, let me just let me give some examples of this. And, and some of this, you may feel like, ah, should he have said that? Man, I just, listen, Lake Point Church, we want living problems. About four months ago, I stood outside that lobby and I prayed with a man to receive Christ. It's the only time in my life somebody's used the F word in a prayer with me. <laughs> For real. This guy, did, literally, I'm praying with this guy to receive Christ. And he just said, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. And man, when I heard that, man, I just, I'll be really honest. You may think this is wrong. I just had the biggest smile on my face because I was thinking, God, you'll clean up his mouth later. You got his heart today. Thank you. Man, thank you. Man, thank you. We'll take that all day. Lake Point Church, we got same-sex couples in our church who know exactly what we believe about what the Bible teaches about gender, marriage, and sexuality. They know what we believe, that marriage is between a man and a woman for life. But they're here and they're trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. Now, one of our churches got planted in a city where this guy got saved, and he got saved out of a background of, of, uh, of, of drug dealership. And he, he got in the church, and like, he, he signed up to volunteer. And he's like in this volunteer class coming out of a background of drug dealership. And this, this pastor's explaining, like, hey, bro, like a lot of times God will use gifts and talents from your past, and he'll redeem them, you know, to be used for the good of the church. And he's like, so, man, tell me, like, what, what, do, what do you do for a living? And the guy was like, man, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like into pharmaceutical sales, you know, it's like kind of thing. And, and this church, they literally, they put the finances of the church under this guy and the church flourished. You see st stuff like this, man, one of my favorite, this is, some of you may not like that I say this, just give me grace. I'm trying to find the right line. You know, one of my favorite, I, I, it's my, my favorite compliment to get after a sermon is I'll be right out here in the lobby of the Rockwall campus. And some dude will walk up to me, usually like just looking like a normal drink a beer and watch a game guy, you know, you know, come up and as well say, he didn't know the word sermon. He didn't know the word Bible. He didn't know the word exegesis. He never says the word text. You know, he didn't know any of those words. He just walks up and he says, hey, man, that was a hell of a talk. <laughs> hell, that's what he said. Hell of a talk. Hell of a talk. Okay. Now, some of you hear that and you say, man, I don't like that that language is in here. But some of you hear that and you're going, man, I love that that man is in here. And man, some of you need to learn what God means when he says, that is our mercy, not sacrifice. I came to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Man, that, that, that's why we're here. And Lake Point Church, man, if that stuff is not in here, we're doing something wrong. Give me living problems. Don't give us dying problems. So listen, the, the church has imperfections in it because we're reaching imperfect people. Now, on, a, on the other hand, let me kind of dive into something like at a more emotional level. Man, for some of you, when you're trying to answer the question like, church, why bother? It's not a problem of understanding for you, like theological understanding, purpose of the church, makeup of the church. That's not your problem. It's a problem of perception. 
especially like, I just want to preach to you. Like if you're new to church, you've never been part of it. We had a lot of people who were like, man, you've never been a part of church before. And you're hesitant because of what you hear about churches all the time in the media, on social media, podcasts, like really, really, really popular podcasts, just telling stories about terrible things that happen in church. And you hear all that and you're like, oh man, like, dude, all of them are really, really jacked up. Now, let me just say something, okay? There are churches where there are bad leaders, corrupt leaders. There are times where abuse happens in the church, and it's terrible. It should literally never, ever happen. But can I just say something like really straightforward to you and then just like kind of show it to you in the scriptures? Let me say something really straightforward. The vast majority of churches are led by loving Bible teaching pastors and are vital to the health of your soul. The vast, vast majority of them, okay? Now, let me explain why you feel like you're constantly bombarded with bad news and terrible characterizations of the church. Okay, let me do a little theology. Okay, Satan, the Bible says Satan is a slanderer. He is the father of lies. And when Satan wanted to kill Jesus, what he did, remember, think about the Gospels, is he dressed Jesus up as a criminal. He put him on trial and through lies tried to make him look like a criminal to justify people crucifying him. Okay, so watch this. What he did to Christ, he wants to do to the bride of Christ, the church. He's the father of lies, so what he does is he lies about the church he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, so he lies to keep you away from the thing that God uses to enrich, fulfill, and build up your faith. He wants you believing false things about the church, and here's my job. Like, this is why I'm going to do what I'm going to do in the next five minutes. The Bible says, don't take part in deeds of darkness. Instead, expose them. Like expose those things. So let me just like expose this lie. Now remember, I already said, yes, there are some times where bad things happen. But again, the epicenter of the move of God in the world is in the church, and it's a beautiful place. It's beautiful. Okay, so let me just expose this. What I'm going to do in the next like few minutes, I'm going to run through this. I'm going to go, here's what you constantly hear in the world. Like just, the, here's what the world says about the church. And then here's what, like I did a lot of research this week. So I, I need you to lean in. I deserve it, okay? Here's what the world says about church. Here's what facts and data say about the church. I'm going to do this real fast. Okay, number one. The world says is every election cycle. Oh, the church isn't really pro-life. They just claim to be pro-life. They're just pro-birth. They don't care about babies after they're born. They're just like leveraging them as an election, you know, manipulation. Okay, here's, here's what data actually shows. Conservative Christians adopt more children than any other pop population segment in the world. Okay? Here's another one. Here's what the world says. The world says, oh, the church. The church is full of veiled white supremacy. It's racist and xenophobic. Here's what the facts say. Last time there was a massive influx of refugees into our country, churches were the most likely people to serve immigrants, immigrants and refugees with their volunteer time. Okay, let me give you another one. Here's what the world says. Oh, the church, the church is emotionally repressive and bad for your mental health. Okay, here's what facts say. Regular church attendance significantly improves your mental health. People who attend church regularly are 29% less likely to become depressed, five times less likely to commit suicide. They experience reduced anxiety. And in fact, the only population segment whose mental health improved in 2020 were regular church-going Christians, okay? 
Here's another one. Here's what the world says. Again, every election cycle, the world says, oh, the church doesn't care about the poor. They only care about power. Okay, here's what the facts say. Church attenders donate more time and money to charity than anyone else in America by far. Here's what the world says. Oh, the church is sexually repressive. <laughs> Some of you guys, you're going to start taking notes here. Oh, the world says, oh, the church is sexually repressive. According to studies cited by the New York Times, married church-going Christians have the most fulfilling sex lives of anyone in America. Okay, I heard that. So I heard that. There was a deep-throated amen over there. Amen. Amen. I heard that. So, man, try this now. If nothing else is working, start with this. So, hey, babe. Let's go to church. Come on, man. Let's go. Amen. Praise God. Here we go. The world says this. The world says, man, there's better things for your kids to be doing than church. They got better things to be doing. Here's what the facts say. Church attendance is crazy good for your children. Children who attend church, that's right. Come on, student section. I hear you over here. That's right, man. It's crazy good for your kids. People who go to church, kids who go to church, they experience higher GPAs, higher satisfaction in their family, relationships with greater trust. They are 33% more likely to avoid drinking, smoking, drug use, and sexual promiscuity. And they experience a 20% increase in happiness compared to non-church-going children. Hey, here's what the world says. The world says the church is morally backward and bad for society. Here's what the actual data says. The church is awesome for society. Okay, in fact, I just, there's so many things I could say here. I had to just pick literally one sentence to summarize everything. Here's what all the research says, going back to the 1920s. The higher a city's church membership rate, the lower its burglary, larceny, robbery, assault, and homicide rates. There is a direct inverse correlation. The world says this, oh, the church is a waste of time. Y'all better thank me after this one. The church is a waste of time. Here's what the facts say. Regular church attendance literally gives you more time. A 2016 Harvard School of Public Health study showed that people who attend church on average once a week increase their life expectancy by seven years. Seven years. Listen, you're welcome. You know? I'm like, you're, you're welcome. Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me close this. Okay. The world says this. The church is a tool of the patriarchy that fosters male abuse and oppression. Here's what the data actually says. Religious husbands are drastically less likely to abuse their wives or their children. Levels of domestic violence are, listen, twice as high for men who don't attend church compared to those who do. The happiest wives in America are church-going women and regular church attenders. Regular church attenders are 50% less likely to divorce. Now listen, I could keep going, but let me just summarize it like this. So if you want to like do little things like solve the world's orphan crisis, eliminate global poverty, improve your mental health, have great sex and marriage, raise great children, and live seven years longer, go to church. You know, that's it. Like, like for real. Like God designed the church to be awesome for you. So let me just make this really bold point. Here's my point. Don't believe what the world tells you about the church. Believe what God tells you about the church. And God's like, hey, I created that thing for you. Like, this thing is awesome. Now, let me refund this real quick because we got to understand, like, here's how we relate to the church because of what it is. In 1 Corinthians, everywhere in the Bible, you see the word church. The Greek word there is the word, throw, throw it up here, the Greek word is ekklesia. Ekklesia. Here's what it literally means. A called out assembly or congregation. So called out. So let me just, can I be real direct for a second? Not that I'm, not that I fail to do that, Okay. Okay, called out. You were called out by God when you got saved. He called you out of hell and into heaven. He called you out of sin and into righteousness. He called you out of darkness and into light. He called you out of being an enemy, an enemy of God. And he called you into being a child of God. Okay, so if you ever feel like I'm calling you out, 
I'm not listening. It's because I'm trying to help you live up to your name. We're a called out, but watch this, what? A called out assembly. Now, let me be real direct for a second, okay? It's hard to be an assembly if you don't assemble. That's real hard. Now, I'm going to be blunt for the next few seconds because I'm a pastor. I'm not a politician. Uh, I'm not trying to win votes. I'm trying to win souls. Uh, God isn't giving me points for diplomacy. What he wants is disciples. That's what he wants. He wants disciples, okay? So there's a lot of pastors, I feel like sometimes they kind of beat around the bush because they don't want people mad at them. And as a result, I feel like sometimes we've ended up like babying Christians. And what I feel like, here's what happens. When you baby Christians, you get baby Christians. That's what happens. So here's what I'm finding. Here's what I find when, when I just preach in a straightforward way. Christians either love the truth spoken boldly or they hate the truth. So I, I'm, I'm trusting that we're a church that wants the, 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 you know, the, the word spoken boldly, okay? So let me just say something. Now, quick caveat. Quick caveat. I love it, man. Y'all are in, okay? I love it. Quick caveat. I am grateful for Church Online. In fact, Lake Point Church Online is now the largest campus at Lake Point. We love our Lake Point Church Online. There are great reasons sometimes to attend online. You're sick, you're out of town, you're not connected. Like the only way you can connect to Lake Point Church is via online. But can I just be really honest? Coming out of the pandemic, whenever that happened, coming out of that, we have a problem right now in America where there's just, honestly, there are too many Christians that are too comfortable just doing church online and not gathering with the people of God. And, and listen, church online is an awesome supplement, but it is not a substitute for gathering with the people of God. It's not one. It's, just, it's, it's not one. Okay, now, you may go, well, how do you know? How do you know, Josh? How do you know that that's true? I know because the Bible says so. Okay, this is what it says in Hebrews 10. It says this, check this out. Let us think of ways to motivate, watch this, one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage each other. Okay, encourage each other. Now, when I talk about this, people, sometimes they get defensive and they feel attacked. Just listen to me. I'm not trying to condemn you. Listen, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to help you. There's something that God's designed that like he, lo- he loves you and he wants this awesome thing for your soul. Every now and then I'll hear somebody say like, ah, Josh, Pastor Josh, I don't need a church to be a Christian. I don't need that, okay? Well, in one sense, that's true. Sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sticking your head in the oven makes you a biscuit <laughs> or going to Dunkin' Donuts makes you a cop. <laughs> or that's a joke. We love it. That's a joke. Or I shouldn't. I'm going to take that out. I'm going to take that out, okay? Or we, by the way, we love our first responders and, and law enforcement officials at Lake Point Church. That's it, man. I love y'all so much. I'm cutting that. I'm cutting that little joke. Okay. Or going to church doesn't make you a Christian anymore than sitting in a, in a garage makes you a car. That's true. Okay. That's true. But a car that never drives anywhere is not fulfilling the function it was designed for. And a Christian without a church cannot fulfill the function they were designed for. It's literally impossible. You know how I know this? When it says in this passage the word one another, it said consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. It's this word. It's the Greek word all alone, which is weird. All alone means one another, but that's just how it is, okay? This word is used over 100 times in the New Testament 
47 of those times is attached to an instruction. Accept one another, forgive one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. Where's Jana at? Let's do it. Let's get biblical in here, babe. Come on, let's go. Bear one another's burdens. Now, let me just ask this. How are you going to love one another when there is no other? How are you going to do that? Okay, You can be saved on your own, but you cannot obey God on your own. So this is why it says, do not neglect meeting together. It, listen, it's not just about you. God has given you gifts, you life experiences, you things in your life so that you could encourage people around you in the body of Christ and you actually have to gather with them to be able to do that. So God's done this for you. So let me just say something like really, really direct, okay? This means that you should attend church regularly. Uh, You should. You should attend church regularly regularly okay we have this situation right now where the average christian in america is showing up to church about 1.7 times per month and considering themselves a regular church attender okay let me just ask you something if your employer only paid you half the time would you feel like you were getting a regular paycheck okay Um, if you only had a bowel movement two days a week Okay. <laughs> I needed an illustration. Would you feel regular? You know? Okay. Then no, of course you wouldn't. Okay? So what what I'm saying is, man, we should be attending church the vast, vast majority of the time. Here's a red flag. If your kids are asking you, are we going to church this week? That's some, some a hit dog yelps. That's what they said. It's like, man, then that's a red flag. And then if your kids are going, are we going to church this week? That's really a red flag, okay? Like, man, let's kind of, let's go, man, let's go. When parents, here's just reality. Again, I'm not saying this to condemn you. We don't want to create a legalistic environment. I'm doing this because this is good for you, and it's good for your family, okay? When parents don't have church as a priority, kids don't even have God show up on their priority list. That's just what happens generationally. Here's what LifeWay Research shows. For, I'm quoting a study. Every drop in frequency of a family's church attendance correlates exactly to a drop in the child's faith development. So, man, there's a lot of Christians that are attending church 25% of the time, and they're thinking their relationship with God is going to be okay, and it's not. It's not. Now, here, let me land the plane like this. Here's why. Because, guys, we are in a war, and we have an enemy. There is somebody that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything you love, everything you hold dear. He wants to destroy your family and he's coming after your faith and the faith of your children. And and watch this. Watch how the Bible says this in 1 Peter. It says this, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a what? Like a, you tell me, roaring lion. Like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Man, have you guys ever watched like the National Geographic channel and they'll show sometimes like a lion hunting, like a a, a herd of gazelle. And you're watching, you're like, oh bro, which which one's going to get devoured. Which one's it going to be? Have you ever noticed, watch this, it's not the weakest one that gets devoured. It's the isolated one. Whichever one the lion can like peel away from the herd, that's the one that gets devoured. So can I like just show you, listen, I love you. God wants something wonderful for your life. He wants your faith to get transferred from generation to generation to generation. He wants healing. He wants renewal. He wants all that. 
Let me show you a picture of you if you are isolated or sporadic in connection to a church. That's, let me just over here, that's you. Okay, you in the front, that's an isolated Christian. And in the back, that's you. So keep looking at that picture. Okay, keep looking at that picture. You're looking at your schedule and you're going, I don't have time. You. I'll never fit in there. You. I'm an introvert. You. I got hurt in a church one time. You. Well, I don't know if it fits in our schedule. You. Well, who are we going to go with? You. And right now what God's doing is he's saying, hey, like now's the time to be connected to me and connected to my body so that it can change you and your family forever. And so here's what I'm asking, okay? So one, everybody needs to take an action step. Church, why bother? For a whole lot of reasons, okay? Everybody needs to take an action step. For some of you, you're like brand new to Lake Point. Like, man, last week there were like, a th- there were like there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you that are brand new. Listen, it doesn't have to be this church. It does have to be a church, okay? And this church is awesome. <laughs> so like, here, here's what some of you need to do. You just need to connect to a church for the first time. And you need to be like priority on your family's list. Like, babe, we are not missing the next, next steps class. You just text the word next, the number 20411. We help you get connected to the body right there. That's you. For some of you, it's like, man, last week, guys, we had 900 new couples sign up to connect to a life group last week. Nine, that's right, man. We love you. We are proud of you. And some of you like, what you just need to hear is follow through on that commitment. Like get in, get into to the body of Christ, get connected. And for those of you that haven't, like, man, take that step. You need to get connected to a life group. Text the word group to the number 20411. Get connected to a group. Now, last one. There are a lot of you, I believe hundreds and hundreds of you, who you need to connect to Jesus himself. You've been like around Lake Point four, six weeks, and you're like, man, I think I'm in. I think I want to follow this Jesus guy. God's doing something in me. If that's you and you're ready to cross the line of faith, I want you to pray with me right now. And so Lake Point Church at all of our campuses, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And listen, all the stuff I preached about today, it will bring, keep your heads bowed, eyes closed, it will bring blessing into your life. You'll be conformed into the image of Christ. If you keep attending, you're going to grow. All that stuff's true. But listen, you don't need any of that stuff to be saved and connected to Jesus and have your sins forgiven. That happens by trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so if you're here and you're like, man, I can't obey enough to get into God's good graces. I need Jesus to save me. Now, would you do this? Would you just pray this with a sincere heart to God right now? Would you just say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need your grace. I believe you died for my sins and that you rose again. Pray this with a sincere heart. From this day forward, as best as I know how, I will live for you first. I receive the gift of grace in Jesus. Thank you, God, for making me a son or a daughter. Now keep your heads bowed, please. And here in a second, um, I'm going to ask you to do something. I believe that something solidifies in you spiritually when you respond physically. And so if you crossed a line of faith today and gave your life to Christ, um, would you do this? On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up in the air real high. Something solidifies in you spiritually when you respond physically. 
on the count of three, okay? One, God loves you. Two, you came here for a reason today. Three, put your hand up in the air right now, real high. Real high right now. Keep it up. Keep it up. Man, praise Christ. Keep it up right now. Man, I'm in. God, I'm yours. Line of faith today. I receive it. Man, yes. Man, amen. Amen. Amen.